people study the effect of rhythm on the brain, on the heart, on the nervous system. Just seven minutes of playing the drum or listening to the drum will bring us into a deeper state of concentration. It will shift our brainwave patterns and it opens us to a more creative view. Welcome to the Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. This is a Soul Fire production. With the symbolic beginning of the PATH podcast, today's conversation with my very first guest, Yaakov Darling Khan, lit up my heart. And I hope in some way it will for you too. Through his work and knowing him personally, I've experienced Yaakov to be someone who speaks from a place that we in the West have often lost sight of. With the wisdom of an elder and the humbleness of a friend. Yakov shares with a depth of integrity that is rare and refreshing in today's world. His journey has included over 30 years teaching from his own experience and heart and continually leaves me feeling more inspired, enriched, and guided. Yakov is a modern-day shaman who has studied and practiced with many gifted healers from around the world. He is one of the foremost teachers of embodied consciousness worldwide and the co-founder of Movement Medicine Contemporary Shamanism, which he teaches globally. Do stay until the end of the show as Yaakov shares a super special gift with you, which is a guided drumming meditation that you can use as a part of your personal practice. In just a few short minutes, I personally experienced a greater sense of connection, groundedness, and an activation that has been carrying me all day. It's with great pleasure that I bring to you this episode of The Path Podcast with shaman, teacher, and friend, Yaakov Darling Khan. Hey, Yaakov, how you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so good. One of the things that I just wanted to share with people listening is it's so interesting to me how I found your work. And you know the story, but for those who are listening in just to kind of uh, connect with how I came across Yaakov's work and really what it's meant to me, what it's done for me. I was in uh, the mountains of Santa Cruz taking about a three-day retreat for myself, just, just by myself. And just really trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the next stage of my life. Where did I want my movement practice to go, my coaching practice, my business? And in that space, one of the things that came up was I allowed myself the permission to look into things or parts of myself that I hadn't allowed myself permission in the past. And one of that was to learn an instrument. And so I said, you know what? Like my back, I'm not musical. My parents are, there was no, no connection to music or anything like that in my life. And I was like, I really want to learn the shaman's drum. I love the sound and what it does to connect me with my heart and ground me. And so I started looking up courses online or just looking up anything. And I came across a few, yours was one of them. And so I got it right then and there. I didn't have a drum with me, but when I watched your course and it's a three video course, and it's incredible. And one of the things that you said in there, which was so empowering for me was, you know, if you don't have a drum, that's okay. Just use your hand right now and beat your chest and follow along with me. And that experience was so powerful and so moving. So I'd love to just start off with just getting right into it and just asking you in your experience, why the drum? Why the drum is a tool that you've chosen 
and and how did that come about? Well, it's a, it's a great question, and I think a, a really important one. You know, the drum is it's it's one of those really ancient instruments. It's not something that's new. Rhythm has been around since the very first moment when nothing became everything, and in that in that expansion, the there was already rhythm present like beats waves of explosion expansion out into all possibility and of course each one of us we hear that drum beat for nine months in the womb we hear our mother's heart the whole time and so the drum is such a call backwards into our past like our deep past but also our personal biographical experience. And not just that, it helps us to be present because it's a call to the body. It's a call to movement. It's a call to the bones. It has, you know, I think of the drum being at the center of so many medicine wheels and the vibration, the ripple, the the tone of the drum rippling out like a heartbeat does. And it's a call to be present. It's a call to shift state. And that's that's its power. You know, the, the people who are studying these things now in a laboratory, which I find very fascinating that people study the effect of rhythm on the brain, on the heart, on the nervous system. And apparently just seven minutes of playing the drum or listening to the drum in, uh, you know, around 100 beats per minute, 110 beats per minute or less or a little more, but in that range, that, that will bring us into a deeper state of concentration. It will shift our brainwave patterns and it opens us to a more creative view. And that view, the creative view, the one that's open to exploring the situation that we find ourselves in as a creative um, dilemma, as a creative dilemma, that call is what really fascinates me most in life is how whatever we can use to bring us to that place where we recognize there is, uh, we have some choice. That's what creativity is. It's like, ah, I, I don't have to keep doing this. There are new possibilities. And the drum opens the door. You can rely on it. You can rely on it to open that door. It doesn't take long. And uh, I like reliable things. <laughs> <laughs> it it truly doesn't take long at all. When that was one of the surprising things for me, and whether it's been uh, in my own practice with the drum and developing that, or just listening to your um, it's not not a CD, but basically your songs that I, that I bought online. And one of the things that's really interesting, and even when you've guided me through it on on live sessions, the experience for me is the drum, especially when you've done that that father beat, that faster uh, four beat or or whatever it is. I'd love for you to share a little on that in a moment. It basically in the meditation, I had the experience that it was almost like I was able to hold on to a thread 
and keep going deeper, but stay on the, on the track. Whereas sometimes in meditation, I'll drift off and I'll bring myself back yeah. and that's fine. But yeah. this like allowed me and through the, the, the words that you were speaking, I was able to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and stay to that thread. Can you share a little more on that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's rhythm for you. I often talk about rhythm these days as being the messenger from the great spirit. The, the rhythm, it carries that message to us through through our own being, like how how the physicality of our being responds to rhythm. The rhythm is an invitation for life. It's an invitation to the life in ourselves. It's an invitation to our own heart. And of course, you know, any people who any and human beings have danced in all cultures across all times, even the Victorians in England, who were a hell of a uptight lot, even <laughs> they danced. And so, you know, it's been that call to movement, to life. And what you mentioned about the mother beat and the father beat, which I go into in brief in that course, that the mother beat is the heartbeat, just the doom, doom. It's it's that it's that settle back. It's it's mm. parasympathetic. It's relax into the backbone, drop, fall away from thinking, fall away from being up in the stories, the busyness of the mind, fall away down into the feet. And then the the four beat that one two three four one two three four one two three four. That's like okay, now get up, let's do something. That's what we call the father beat, and the relationship between them boom boom, boom boom, boom boom, and that four beat that just keeps going. That blend, it's like um, it's it's like the origins of life. It's the yin and yang. It's the dance of receptivity and activity, the dance of receiving and giving, the dance of letting in and letting out. And it's it's that original dance that is creation that's ongoing, the yin, the yang, and that the place where they meet, which um, not many people talk about, but a dear friend of ours described it and heard it as from uh, some ancient branch of Taoism as being the yun, the third aspect, the, the relationship between them. So that those two beats literally awaken life. The, the mother and the father awaken life inside us. And the once that life is awakened and we are we're able to listen, and as you say, it gives you something to hold on to and to stay with as things unwind and as we as we shift from the very narrow view of the thinking busy mind that's just about getting things done into the wider more open relaxed state of creativity from which a different dream can arise it's it's life it's 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 the sound of life you know, it's the 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 sound of of life reverberating through the universe, and that the drum is that reminder: you are not alone. Your heart, yeah, you know, people, anyone who was into dance in the eighties and like Clubland, 
would have experienced that extraordinary wave of unity that comes from um, a particular blend that was happening in those days, which we know about. And uh, it was a very extraordinary blend of rhythm and a particular, you know, squeeze from the brain of um, serotonin into the body. But that the rhythm of the music was the key because the heart, all the hearts will align with that rhythm of the music. So the heartbeat is we're literally, our hearts are beating in time with the music. Synchrony. Synchrony is a, an enormous power that, well, we can use it for benefit. And it, of course, that same power can be used for damage as well. It's Synchrony is, is the unified field. And it depends what that unity is focused on, whether it's a good thing or not. But nevertheless, it's a power that humans have known for a very, very long time. I think the simplicity of those two beats, like it's it's almost like how to me how simple they are. On the other side, also communicates how equally profound they are. It's like the 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 most powerful things in life, the rituals that we do, the intentions that we make, the space that we create in our home. Sometimes it's the simplest things that have the most profound amount of change. And one of the things that you connect the drum with, and this is also another another thing that really connected me with you, was when I was looking into your work, you used the words, and this is really your system of movement medicine. And everyone who's who's listening to this or who at least knows my background knows that movement's been the anchor and the best teacher in my whole life. I've fallen in love with movement from being a gymnast at seven, eight years old and then competing at a high level in different sports. And when we did our first session together, I did it in the gym. Then I remember the first thing you said, you're like, I have Bulgarian bags behind me and kettlebells <laughs> and mace bells. And, and that was a common thread that you and I shared was this connection to movement and the way in which you have shown or just have allowed an invitation for me and also the men at my retreat where you speak now every single time as the keynote speaker, the, the wise elder. I'd love for you to share how you came up or what was your journey into what is movement medicine? Because it is really unique and has really touched my heart. Well, I'm, thank you. It's, a, it's, an ex, it's an extremely simple proposal. And um, its simplicity is its, is its power, which is basically we're natural movers. The, the body was designed uh, the human body was designed to move. It was not designed to even be sitting very much. It was designed to be active on, on the move, hunting, dancing, being together and intimacy. It's, it, the body loves movement. And to, when, when we separate from movement, when we live really up away from our roots and up in the mind, just thinking about what we're thinking about and things become more and more virtual and further and further away from our feet and from our physicality. When we do that, the system is becoming sick. It's becoming unwell and it's becoming heavy. It's becoming stagnant. And so the proposal is within us, there is the unbroken intelligence of life and one of our first teachers was a, an extraordinary woman, an American woman called Gabrielle Roth, who was the founder of a body of work called The Five Rhythms. We studied with her for 
18 years. And she she was very, very clear about um, that inside everybody there is a dancer. And I'm not talking, when I say dancer, when we talk about dancer, we're not talking about um, let me show you my moves. That's performing beautiful. Or, performing yeah. or doing, you know, or tango or um, beautiful. These are beautiful practices or ballet. They're, these are art forms. They're magnificent. And they're, they're also their movement. But what Gabrielle was so radical about was that beyond that or behind that, there is an expression that is longing to be, to be let free. And that is the dancer in us. And that dancer is simply what we call the unbroken intelligence of life. Gabrielle would often say, look, put two bodies next to each other. One of them's alive, one of them's dead. What's the difference? There's only one difference between them. One of them has stopped moving. The other one is still moving. Therefore, life is movement. So when we hand our intelligence our, our mental intelligence and our emotional intelligence back over to that part of us that knows, that remembers itself as unbroken movement of life, like the wind, like the fire, like the waters, like the turning earth. We are made from these things. So we give ourselves back to that original intelligence of life that is movement and we let go we let the beat move us and we forget about doing a good dance or um what it looks like or that that awful um curse of self-consciousness like oh my god you know like so many men are terrified of dancing because they're afraid of being looking like fools and it, th this is so it's such a sadness for me how the, the women are anyway, usually a few steps ahead of us. And um, <laughs> this, is, this is just something we have to get so used true. to. <laughs> yes. I'm very present to that because um, that is, I think, one of the big things that's been my journey into embracing movement. Because like, I wasn't brought up with instruments and, and definitely not dance or definitely not movement in this way. And it's, it's been uh, incredibly freeing and liberating, but it hasn't been easy let's say. And I think in the container that you create and being brought into it in the way that you do has made it exponentially easier. Was it easy for you in the beginning or what maybe advice or guidance <laughs> do you have for guys that are in that self-judgment uh, bubble, let's say? Well, I can talk about this with some authority because I hated dance. <laughs> I, I, was, I was not a dancer at all. I, I was like, oh, you know, the, when the music, when I was in a social situation that demanded movement, like a, a wedding or, you know, a nightclub or going out, it was just a nightmare. I felt, I felt so ill at ease with myself in, in movement. Not as sport. I was a, you know, I was a sportsman. I loved running. And, you know, when there was a, a goal and a thing to do and I had a role, no problem. But dancing, like, like nobody's uh, telling me how or what. It's not a team sport. And just that, oh, the, the self-consciousness. I, I remember the very first movement workshop I went into with Gabrielle. I walked into the room that was full mostly of women. I think there was one other guy there, mostly in, this was the 1980s, so 
they were in these kind of um, printed leotards, like all all doing the yoga stretches. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing here? I've got to spend three days in this situation. And then I remember there was a Tony Child song playing and where she's singing about the power. And I was I was trying to hide in the corner, like just like, how am I going to survive? And Gabrielle started talking, and this is this was an this was a miracle to me, and that miracle really changed my life. She she said, "Listen, um, just follow what I'm suggesting, relax and follow, and within ten minutes, your self consciousness will be far less interesting than what's actually happening." And um, she just led us in the way that I do and have done thousands and thousands of times in the last 35 years, um, just to shift the attention from thinking about to the experience of the body moving, like move your shoulders, let your shoulders be moved by rhythm. Who cares what it looks like? Just let them move. Let your elbows move. Let your hands move. And just, there's no there's no like I'm not trying to do a good dance. I'm not trying to be creative. I'm not trying to be expressive. I'm just letting this body do what it was designed to do, which was move to rhythm. And then I'm giving it breath. And I'm fascinated. And within 10 minutes, I was I was completely astonished. It's like I I discovered that there was movement inside me just waiting for my permission. It, I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to create my good moves. I didn't have to impress anyone. I just had to trust the intelligence of my living body to move. And it did. And it did all kinds of stuff. Like Gabrielle said, like, okay, let your knees lead. And you know, that when knees, when knees lead a dance, it's kind of it's delightfully strange. You know, it's not like any dance I ever saw before, but everyone else is doing it. So you just don't, you stop caring about it. You're just interested in the, the creativity that is inherent to our physical beings. And uh, it really doesn't take long to move from self-consciousness to consciousness. And that consciousness is it's there. It's only all we have to do is shift the attention from where it's been locked in for many of us into this identity of self, which is locked in the head in repeating stories that we're telling ourselves about who we are, who we should be, what we have to look like, how we have to act, what we have to say. This is very true of all the guys I know. We're all, you know, locked into a a, um, a a nightmare of, well, you know, the, the old story that we were supposed to follow has been criticized to death. So now what? We can't, you know, we can't do, I, I tried in the 80s, I was very much into um, a particular brand of feminist ideology, myself and my wife, we were in our 20s, it was the in thing. It was all about men have got to feel. That's a great thing. Of course we have. Of course we've got, got to allow ourselves to feel. But we were doing it 
because the women were telling us that that's what we needed to do. And we, those of us who had that kind of yearning to be close to women would do pretty much anything to get close to the women we wanted to be close to. So, you know, we went into that road, but there was, we lost a lot of our natural power, natural sense of self. And the dance gave that back to me really quickly. I could find the, I could find the softness of my dance. That was beautiful. I could find the watery, like misty rain of my dance, but I could also find that kind of warrior yang, like just get on that rhythm and express yourself and feel that kind of power. It was so empowering. And one of the, Gabrielle was ahead of her time in many ways. I just dropped this thing in. She, she, was, she was often saying, listen, I don't really care whether, how you identify yourself, a man, a woman, or a they, or a this, or a that. What's interesting about every human being is the particular blend of yin and yang that is expressed through them, whatever that balance is. And that was in the 80s, she was saying that. And so we were all encouraged into the yin of the yin and the yang of the yang and the way they met together. And our work, movement medicine, is a kind of evolution of that. And it's, uh, it, it involves the embracing of our personal history. It involves the embracing of our ancestral stories because um, my journey has been um, with indigenous shamans and medicine people around the world has always been, look, what's behind you? Everything, no exception, everything. And my ancestors, some of them died in the Holocaust, in the Second World War. I, you know, I, I've visited some of the worst kinds of cruelty that human beings are capable of doing to one another. And I was taught that everything that's at our backs is potential medicine everything, the worst tragedies. And I have come to understand and experience that as being true, not as a theory, but in practice, that now what's behind me, what's at my back, strengthens my backbone. It's something to lean into. It's a, a, um, a call to stand up dignified in who I am. And so our work has that arc of time aspect, which is embrace the past, be in the present, create together a future that we can be proud to pass on to our children. This is movement medicine. It's contemporary ceremony. It's, the, it's the, an, an answer to the ancient human need to let go, to be in ceremony together, to sing and dance, to touch into a power that's greater than us, without dogma, without needing to to believe anything. Yeah. Wow. And there, there was so much there uh, that came up for me, one of which I'd love to take a minute and just, I'm super curious because you have spent a lot of time with, with tribes and like some of what you shared was the difficulty that we have in the West, some of the challenges that we have, the approach to maybe an unbalanced masculine or an unbalanced feminine I'm curious, what have you experienced in the tribes in terms of, are they able to access, let's say, that dancer? How, how, how do they um, 
interact with that? And what have you noticed and how has it been kind of the, the soil for you to bring what shamanism is, which I'd love to hear as well, uh, into your work and, and how you show up for people today? Yeah. Well, it, thank you. Um, it's very interesting. We were once, um, not so very long ago, maybe five, six years with um, the Achua tribe in the Amazon of Ecuador. The Achua are a, an undefeated people. They're a warrior tribe. They were hmm. they were killing each other up until about 50 years ago. It was, wow. you know, there was, that was life in the forest. You know, you, you didn't know when your neighbors were coming in the middle of the night or you were going for revenge. It was that kind of culture. It was a warrior culture. Um, but they had visions that a greater threat was coming to them and that they had to find a way of being in peace together so they could unify that warrior power to meet that threat, which came in the form of European colonizers. And they were, they, the colonizers left them alone in the end because they were just too fierce. They were not, they were not going to give up anything. And they hold that today. They're, they're very clear, these, the, the Achua people. Every single one of us would go to the grave rather than give up our forest for the extraction of oil or trees. This forest is sacred. It was, it's, it's the lungs of the planet. It's part of the lungs. It's part of the health of this planet. So they're a warrior culture, the Achua. They're also a dreaming culture. Their ceremonies are not so much about dance because if you, the, one of the first thing I noticed when I visited the Achua for the first time is they're so, these guys, I, I got to follow about a nine-year-old boy as it was getting dark um, through a path that I couldn't see on an hmm. hour hike because the, the river had dried up. So we had to come into the bank. This was deep, deep in the Amazon rainforest. Um, and so the, we had to stop at this village and then we the, the people there helped us with all our luggage. It was quite an adventure. And I, f I was following this nine-year-old boy and I just was watching. My body was watching because I was like, you know, worried about branches and snakes and spiders and, jet, you know, anything that might just jump out and, you know, be dangerous to me. And he was just, he was so in his feet and there was a quietness. In like there wasn't that kind of like there wasn't a lot of chat going on. There was just this embodied boy at home in himself, at home in his forest. And for me, that was like that was in a way the greatest dance lesson, movement lesson I ever had. And um, just to follow that child. So what I've learned from the indigenous people, you know, is not so much about dance ceremonies. Some, we have a dear friend called Manari Ushigwa, and uh, you can find him on Instagram. He's a, he's a really good man. He is the chief of the Zapara nation, their um, neighboring tribe to the Achua. He's also a medicine man, a shaman, a healer. Also, he was a political leader. His father was a shaman. He's a very beautiful man. And they're also a dream culture. And he comes to a ceremony that we do every year called the long dance, which is a 72-hour 
um, fasting, dancing for 20 hours a day ceremony to the purpose of which is to say thank you to life. It also raises money to protect the forest and all kinds of projects. It's raised around $700,000 in the last 10 years for these different projects. And we're just getting warmed up. He come, he comes to that ceremony. And one time I asked him like, what do you, what do you see in this 72 hours? Like, you know, you've come, you're coming from a very different view of life, way of being. So I, I find this very fascinating. He said, when we have trouble in the forest, because we do, we we do, they call it a dieta. It's like a 20-day process. It's hard. It involves fasting. It involves being on your own for a long time, out of contact. It involves a lot of medicine that's not exactly recreational. It's hard work, a lot of soul searching. And after 20 days, we get to the same place that you're getting to in 72 hours. So I'm really interested in how efficient this process is, because it's not just one person, it's 200 people who are traveling together and dancing through the veils of our own suffering to the place of remembering who we are and what matters to us. So what I've learned what we've learned from indigenous people has been more about an embodied experience of connection that in the industrialized world, we to a large extent have lost. An embodied experience of community where the individual is autonomous and the strength of the individual is encouraged because the strength of the individual equals the strength of the community. And so there's this, it's not about, oh, well, I'm going to be, be myself because I don't want to be swallowed up by community. There is this dance between individuality and individual autonomy and the needs of the community. So I've learned a lot from the indigenous people about ceremony that is every day. That's not like, um, you know, we, we're going to, yeah, there are special times and that, that, those are important, but ceremony is, a, is an everyday thing. It's an everyday connection to something stronger than our own human ego, something that, that through which we live. Again, not through belief, not through dogma, not through creed, but through living direct embodied experience. And that's the key that, um, you know, the indigenous shamans that we've worked with, they were all very clear, like, listen, Yakov, you're, you're not here to become like us. Mm. You're not here to, to, yeah, there'll be certain things that we're giving you that will be available to you. But your job is to take this experience and translate it for your people. Because your people, to a large extent, lost that capacity to be in ceremony across culture, across gender, across generations, across all of those divides that used to be so much a part of all human culture, a space where we come together to celebrate life, to give thanks, to let go, to remember 
to celebrate one another, not just to tolerate the diversity, but to to lift it up, to strengthen it. And that's what movement medicine is. That's that's exactly what it is. And it took us 20 years of searching and work and working with Gabrielle and other amazing teachers to find the threads. And, you know, that the movement medicine, it's such a beautiful name and description because, mm. you know, it, it is what it says on the tin. It's, it's, it's just good for you. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Aho. This episode is brought to you by Men of Movement, my in-person retreat offering for men of all walks of life. Applying movement as medicine has been a practice of mine since childhood and is the pillar to Yakov's work as a healer and spiritual guide. In this retreat experience, we dive deep into many healing modalities of movement, from music to breath work, outdoor workouts, embracing the elements, and even embodied rhythm techniques guided by Yakov himself. Many men today are longing to have experiences and honest conversations that fortify who they want to be and how they seek to show up in the world. And my experience with that comes working through the intentional application of discomfort so we can become better versions of ourselves together. The next Men of Movement retreat takes place in Mount Shasta, California, October 27th through the 30th. It offers an opportunity for men to come together in a safe container to heal and grow in community. There are still a few spots available. If you or anyone you know would be interested in a unique experience like this, go to www.mikesalemi.io and click the Men of Movement dropdown to find out more and hop on a call with me. Now let's get back to today's podcast. We've had discussions on this in, in, I recall, one of our first sessions was, I've had challenges over the years, being fully honest, embracing anger. And I think I've had a, a fear around tapping into anger of what it might make me a quote unquote bad person or hurt people or whatever. And one of the things that, that you had shared with me and I've been able to access through some of the dance, especially like when I've done the, um, the fire meditation, for example, or the fire dance, I've found tremendous power and empowerment in it. And it hasn't made me a, a quote unquote bad person. It hasn't made me lash out of people. In fact, it's provided more passion more energy, more vitality. And through the dance, I've felt it in every, and I'm getting chills right now. I felt yeah. it in every cell of my body going through my spines. And it's made me, I would say, a more stable and grounded leader, not just for my community, but for my family, for Lauren, for our son-to-be. And so it has been such a powerful, powerful tool for me. And you know, I know we're, we're, uh, we don't have much time, but if you'd be at all willing, um, I would be so honored for you to take out the drum. And, uh, if you'd be okay with it, to share a little bit with the listeners, um, any, anything that you'd like to share. And I know you've, uh, a big part of your practice is the tree of life. So if that feels good to you, um, I think it would be an incredible treat for people to experience. Well, I'd be glad to, I think maybe just, a a little context about what you've said, because this is, you know, this is so important, you know, violence of which there is plenty in our world is, mm. is the result of the denial of feelings, the, the, the pressing down, depression, pressing down what 
wants to be felt and the, a complete misunderstanding of emotion. Um, I was taught many, many years ago that emotion stands for energy in motion, life in motion. Anger is a healthy response to our integrity being threatened, to integrity or things that we love being threatened. And I'm not talking about anger as violence. I'm talking about setting of boundaries. I'm talking about clarity. I'm talking about power. If we do not clean up our relationship with anger and let it become a friend, then likely that anger either turns inwards and destroys us from the inside out, or through all of that depression, we become walking time bombs, just waiting for that moment where we explode out of control. And that, that happens so often in relationship, in, in, in if relationship is enough play, in the home. And it happens parents with children. It happens uh, between people who love each other, really love each other. Because we've not been taught the basics of what is emotion for? Why do we share this emotional language with all mammals, which is fear and anger and sorrow and joy? And by the way, there is no such thing as as compassion, if you try to remove any one of those previous four. That compassion is the result of the acceptance, embodiment, and um, healthy movement of all of those. Fear says, wake up, pay attention, listen, listen, what's going on? Anger says boundary, it says no, it says yes, it says clarity, it says protect, it says it says passion between people, and it leads to the heart, not away from, not if it's out of control, not if it's just in the head, not if it's full of blame, but as a dance, this is the key. When I dance my heart, we have a 15-minute a meditation called Your Magnificent Heart, and that 15-minute meditation is a fast-moving journey through those chambers of the heart. We call it awakening, where there's fear, integrity, where there's anger, surrender, where there's sadness and sorrow and grief, and gratitude, where there's joy. And then that leads to a place of genuine compassion for self and others. And to dance that as a practice, not having to think about, but to move and let the body find the shapes of that. So I become a safe channel for that energy. I take responsibility for it rather than denying it or pretending that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just a nice guy. With, you know, and you can see <laughs> that your teeth. Oh, yeah, I'm <laughs> such a nice guy. And, you know, that <laughs> nice guys are dangerous. They really are. They're, they're just walking time bombs. So with that context, I'll pick up my drum. hear that heartbeat. That's the heartbeat. The faster rhythm. That's the father. That's the mother. 
letting this rhythm touch you. Touch the inside of your bones. Imagine you could open the door to this core. Through your ears, also through the soles of your feet. Imagine this rhythm calling your attention down into the soles of your feet where you can feel that connection with the living earth underneath you. Imagine your weight spreading out, not just your physical weight, but the weight of your feelings and your thoughts dropping down through gravity. Opening the soles of your feet, visualizing roots spreading out in all directions. Weight dropping down, breathing a little deep, letting the breath in, letting the rhythm in. The rhythm is calling to the unbroken intelligence of life that is beating your heart right now, that is moving blood, life energy through your whole system. Settling into that, trusting for a moment. We call this the unbroken. It's the same energy that rises the sun every morning, that turns the earth, that turns the seasons, that carries the moon through its cycles, that carries all of us through our cycle that moves the tide. It is the movement of life, the rain falling, the rivers bringing nourishment through the landscape of your body, the breath cleansing, creating space. The warmth of the sun that literally is shining through every single one of your trillion cells. Everything listening to this ancient call, bringing back home to the living intelligence of the triple, triple woven brilliant the body, heart, and mind 
connected like three plaques of a candle. Physical, kinesthetic intelligence. Emotional intelligence. And your consciousness woven together like a channel that moves through the very center of your being, opening through the top of the head to receive the wide open space of the sky, the spirit, your dreams, your being that came here to this earth that is unique, that has medicine, that has beauty, courage, dignity, that has the power to live from what actually matters most to you. The drum calls this memory into the body, heart, mind. Breathing, settling in, settling down. Imagine your spirit settling in to the physical shape of your body, the head, the shoulders, the arms, the hands, the fingers, the backbone, the hips, the pelvis, the legs, the knees, the lower legs, the ankles, the feet, the roots. Simply saying to yourself, Here I am, hearing that heartbeat calling you back home to this body right here, right now. Resting here for a moment. I'll end this short meditation with nine beats. On the ninth beat, very gently open the eyes. See if you can still feel the backbone when you open the eyes. Stay connected the inside of your being, the aliveness, the intelligence of life that lives your body, present, here, now.
Thank you. Thank you very much. I feel um, settled, aligned, and activated. And um, incredible. Thank you so much, Yaakov, for the work that you're doing, uh, for supporting me, for supporting men at the retreat. Um, You'll be back again this time, October 30th, 27th through the 30th, um, teaching and giving us the experience of an embodied integration through movement. Uh, If anyone's interested, please reach out. And I would just love to close Yaakov, um, again, expressing immense gratitude. And if you could just please share where can people find you? You've got a ton of online courses, books, yeah. uh, ways that people can interact with you and your work and Susanna's work. So please uh, share. A hundred percent. Thank you so much. And uh, please do check us out at www.21gratitudes21gratitudes.com. Next week, we've got a bunch of um, online things. We're opening the gates to our study hub, which is our online study community where we're sharing the cutting edge of our what we call applied movement medicine applying the teachings of movement medicine to everyday life and a bunch of introductory events next week including on the 16th an equinox ceremony so just to come and find us at 21 gratitudes and you'll find all the links there i'll also be um, working a little bit more in person now that we can again and you can find our in-person events at schoolofmovementmedicine.com. And um, thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I wish you all, uh, all of you listening, good health and happiness and all good things. So take care and be. Uh, hopefully we'll meet sometime again. Wonderful. Wonderful. And guys, we'll put all those links in the show notes. So uh, just go ahead and look there if you need a reminder. And Yaakov, until next time, my friend, much love to you, brother. Thank you. You take care. All the best. Ciao. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path. And I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours. 